0: Now, we're in our last message in the series on Perspectives of the Cross. Today, we're going to be looking at two of the disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, plus the disciples who are back in Jerusalem. And we find this at the end of Luke's Gospel. But I want to share you a little section, a little piece of scripture that comes from Luke 24, um, and it's verse 41. Have I got that up on the screen? No, I don't have that on the screen. The first first bit. Still they stood there in disbelief. And that gives us our understanding of where we are and the perspective of the cross that we're going to be looking at. The disbelief of the disciples. See, we, we view the cross of Christ and the events of Easter. And in fact, that whole message, Christian message, Do we view it from the perspective of disbelief? Or do we view it from the perspective of belief? But before I go too far, let's just recap the message series that we've been doing. So first of our messages on perspectives came from Lazarus. And looking at how could somebody who had been raised from the dead, how they could experience... The death of Christ on the cross and what that meant for them because Lazarus had great expectations was thinking that God would do amazing things because he'd raised him from the dead so how could Jesus the one who raised him from the dead be crucified we also looked at how the crowd ebbs and flows and the crowd mentality and how we work you know sometimes in herd mentality and one all we need is a few people 5% convicted, 5% to rally the crowd together to go in a direction. We had the view from Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the heartache that comes seeing her son crucified. We had the view of three different people on Good Friday from Simon of Cyrene, the soldiers, actually four, the criminals and Joseph of Arimathea and how they each encountered the cross of Christ differently. And on Easter Sunday, we joyously looked at how the women who came to the empty tomb and how their perspective of expecting one thing and then ending up with a bit of confusion but finally an understanding of who Jesus was and what he meant. See, we've touched on numerous different perspectives of the cross, the central act of Jesus in the Christian faith, the death and and resurrection of Jesus. However, there's still this one perspective that I want us to explore today. I think it's probably almost one of the most prevalent perspectives actually in our society, and that is of disbelief. Simply put, disbelief is the inability or refusal, so the inability or refusal to accept that something is true or real. So we start to think about how society views the cross of Jesus, about Jesus Christ, about Christianity. You'll actually see that most people are in that state of disbelief, that they have an inability or they refuse to accept the truth of the cross, the truth of Christ, that it is real and it has happened. So when it comes to Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and Christianity, this is the standpoint that so many people have, this belief. And when we ever start to look at this perspective, we often, we often think, oh, when people are going to preach about that, they often go to the point of, of looking at Thomas and his encounter with Christ. And you know, we even have a word for that, doubting Thomas. And it's got into the whole scheme of vernacular of our society as well. You know, doubting Thomas, the one that didn't believe, he had disbelief. But I want to show you that Thomas was not the only one. The disciples, they had a whole amount of disbelief, they had trouble believing that Jesus had been resurrected. And they needed to see Jesus, they needed to encounter him. Today we're going to look at two different aspects. The, the disciples that were walking away from Jerusalem, two of them walking on and heading out to Emmaus after the Passover had finished. And they encountered Jesus on the road. And this is our first of our readings. So this is from Luke 24 and it's from verse 13 through to 24 at the moment. That same day, now we need to understand what day, this is Easter. This is the day that Jesus was resurrected. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, uh, and it says about seven miles, which is roughly about 11 kilometres. So how many people have been on a good 11 kilometre walk? Good, at least one person has. 11 kilometres takes a little bit of time, not a huge amount, just a little bit of time. And as they were walking along, talking about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face. Can you kind of get, do you get the perspective here? Get what, who they are. They've seen all the things that happened. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened here in the last few days. What things Jesus said? The things that happened to Jesus the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. So They, they understood what he, who he was and what he'd done and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they... And they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago, and, and some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning. And they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men also ran to see, and sure enough, the body was gone, just as the women had sent. You can kind of hear the disbelief coming out in the voice, can't you? Because they're going, you know, the women had seen this, and the angel had appeared to the women, and, and, and the Jesus was alive, but we didn't really want to kind of understand. We didn't want to just believe the women. We had to go and see, and so they ran, and they found it just as the women had said, still, they stood there in what? In disbelief filled with joy and wonder. That's who they are. As we come and see these disciples walking along, we understand that there's a couple of things. They had heard, they had seen, and yet they had disbelief. Even those who had seen the events, had participated in the events of Easter, had spent time with Jesus, had heard the accounts of the women who went to the tomb and the disciples who'd gone there, they doubted the accounts. They, They didn't understand. They were in a state of disbelief. Now, I want to be completely honest with you. I want to be real with you. You know, I have times myself when I have a level of disbelief. And I think we all have times when we have levels of disbelief. That there are times when we find it hard to believe what's there. That sometimes it goes against what we understand. Now, many of you may know that um, before I became a minister, I actually uh, worked in the field of medical research science. Many of you might know that now, I actually worked for many years out at Westmead Hospital doing research into multiple sclerosis and one of the things that I did you know while I was out there I had the the wonderful opportunity of sharing an office with another individual i don 't know whether you've ever you know been in a working environment where you share an office with Uh, just one other person not a big group office but one other person you often have to sit down and work there and then you end up inevitably having conversations about things not necessarily about work but just about anything else and what's gone on the weekend what you've done and I remember at times that um, one time uh, my colleague who I was sitting there with um, said to me oh what you do on the weekend I said oh I went to church how about you Uh, he went and played beach volleyball Um, but he goes oh what?" Church, and he was kind of going, questioning me, you know, of this whole thing. And you know, it came to pass that every couple of weeks, we'd end up in this conversation. Of go, and it would go like this: You go to church, you're a Christian. How could you be a scientist and believe that? They kept on asking this question, keep on coming back to it, and time and time again. And you know, there was this whole level of unbelief. How could you see? the facts of science, and still believe in in Jesus Christ. And he was perplexed. He came from this point of disbelief. And at times, you know, it would get me questioning who I was and why I was doing things. And it became even more so when I I announced that I was actually moving towards going into ministry because that was my last position before I um, ended college and started this whole journey of ministry. Uh, And... um, so the, the conversation got even more intense around those times. Once he knew that I was going through all this process, um, but it's interesting because, as I look at that, and as I ask myself, one of the things I understand because, you know, when, when I was in that medical research science, the, the area that I was looking at was genetics uh, and immunology. So, so genetic engineering, having a look at the the genetic basis of disease that was there, and that's what my my area of research was, And the thing I came to understand was the more and more that we explore the deeper inside of us, the more and more that we look at who we are, the more I realise that it cannot be by chance that God is actually there and has created wonderfully this, this, this human body, the, the world around us, in such a complexity that we can't actually go, God doesn't have a part in it. You know, we, we, we talk about all these different kinds of scientific theories and by chance that, you know, the big bang and, you know, out of primal ooze and everything else, just by chance coming up. Random mutations taking its course. But when you look deeper and deeper and closer and closer and get to see the intricate patterns and behaviors and the complexity of it all, how can something so complex happen by chance? I think to have the biggest grade of disbelief would be to not believe in God and God's saving action because it all is just chance. You know how last week I said that um, understanding replaces confusion when that basis of confusion is explained? That is so true in all these situations. So... It's also true for disbelief. Disbelief is, you know, when you, you're not understanding something, you're not getting to the point of actually seeing the truth in it. And We see the truth in something when we get a level of understanding about it. And this was true for the disciples as they walked along the road to Emmaus. Their disbelief was encountered and challenged and changed with understanding and that understanding came as Jesus spoke. And what did Jesus say to to these two disciples as they were walking along the road? And he said this. Then Jesus said to them, "You foolish people. It's pretty pretty straightforward, isn't it? You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures and everything that has happened beforehand that what you know the the prophecies of the messiah you find it hard to believe that wasn't it clearly predicted that the messiah would have to suffer all these things before um, entering his glory and then jesus took them through the writings of moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself notice what he did he didn't leave them he didn't try and argue with them he just carefully explained who he was the Messiah, all those things, he explained what it all meant and how it came to the culmination in the cross and the resurrection. He explained it away, he helped them to understand. See, the thing is disbelief stops us from seeing the true nature of Jesus. Stops us seeing from the power, the seeing the power of the cross. If we only come to this perspective of Christianity, if we only come to the perspective of Jesus, if we only come to the perspective of the cross from disbelief, we miss out on the na- true nature of Jesus. We miss out on the power. And so, what does it say? So we're you know, moving on. You know, these two disciples are walking along. It's getting late at night. It's getting late in the afternoon. And they invite Jesus to come and stay with them um, in Emmaus and spend the night because, you know, walking out on the roads um, at night is not the best thing. Staying out is not the best thing. So it's better to be safe. And, And then it goes into this, Luke 24, verse 31. And suddenly their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And at that moment, that he, that is Jesus, disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us uh, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So in other words, they're going, you know, there was something special there. There was something important there. And then within the hour, I love this, and within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Now, if you walk at a reasonable pace, reasonable pace, About 11 kilometres will take you just under, you know, two hours to walk back. So this must have actually been incredibly important and valuable to them, incredibly important that they no longer wanted to stay the night at Emmaus but needed to get back to the disciples. And they, they set out on their journey. They went back. You know, within that hour, they headed back into Jerusalem. And they found the 11 disciples and the others who were gathered with him, who's, who said, the Lord has risen. He appeared, to, he appeared to Peter. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognised him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were tell, about, telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it really is me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because goats don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And still they stood there, in what? In disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? You know, here they are. You know, Once the disciples had actually, you know, who were walking to Emmaus, had recognized Jesus. They, they decided it was so important, they needed to go back and, and tell the others about it. Their hearts, their minds had been changed. They no longer were in disbelief. They were believing in the power of God. They were believing in Jesus. They believed why he had risen. And they they understood the significance of the cross. They had moved from disbelief to belief. They had moved from disbelief through understanding to belief. And they wanted to tell others because of this encounter with Jesus. But what about the other disciples? that had not been on the road, that had not encountered Jesus, what were they doing? What were they doing? You know, you know how I say you know, we always blame Thomas for the one that doubted? What were the other disciples doing? Well, they were huddled away in a whole state of disbelief, even though the women had told them Jesus had risen, even though Peter had gone back and said, that is true what the women had said. They were still in a state of disbelief. So often when we look at the disciples and how they reacted after the resurrection, we we tend to pick on that poor Thomas. But we need to realise that all of them had a level of disbelief. They had a level of disbelief, which is the refusal to accept the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. This is their disbelief they had. How do we counter this? See, the cross challenges us. It challenges our perception of the world. It challenges our place in this world. The cross is powerful and life-changing if we're willing to believe in Jesus and what he has done. And so what did Jesus do to those disciples who were up in, the, in, in that room together? Then he opened their minds To what? To understand the scriptures. Notice how understanding is so important. And he said, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed to the authorities of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. And you are the witnesses to these things. See, we are the witnesses to the things that Jesus has done. We're the witnesses to the fact that Jesus changes life. I want to say to you, you know how I want to say that, let's be real, we all have a level of disbelief. We all have times when our disbelief is higher than others. We all have times when we are really spiritually on fire and we're, we're really right into it and God is working powerfully in our lives. But we ebb and flow between that. I want to say to you, never beat yourself up. Never put yourself down because you're in the moment of disbelief. See, from disbelief, you can move to belief. From disbelief, you can move to belief. It all depends on what you do with that. For some, disbelief fuels their rage, their anger, their their resentment of things and it keeps them spiraling away from God. Others, it fuels an inquisition to go, I want to understand more. I want to come closer. I want to know who God is. So there's a few steps that you can take to to face your disbelief. The first is this. Allow Jesus to actually address your doubts and disbelief. See, he did this with his disciples on the road and in the upper room and with Thomas later. He also did it during his ministry. There's a time when a miracle is happening and a father's bringing a boy um, to Jesus and and Jesus asks him, do you believe that your son can be healed? And the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And that's what we need to do. We need to be asking God to help us overcome our unbelief. It's, it's, it's what we do when we ask in prayer. We ask God to help us overcome our unbelief, help us to understand the scripture, help us to understand the power of God that works. And we also need to allow Jesus to open our minds to the truth found in the Bible. And this is important. Just as Jesus was walking with those disciples on the road to Emmaus, he helped them to understand all of the scriptures, all of the Bibles, everything that was leading up to that point. We too need to understand the Bible as well, to know the saving grace of Jesus and the power of of the cross. So the question I want to leave with you today is this. Do you view the cross from the perspective of disbelief, or do you view the cross from the perspective of belief? You know, I want to kind of end with a prayer, and a prayer that comes from Ephesians. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote this prayer to the Ephesians. It comes from Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 20. And it's a prayer for those people within that church, and I think it's a prayer as well for us today. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light, so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He has called, His holy people who are rich and, and glorious, who has a rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So as we wrap up our series on perspectives of the cross I want to ask you what is your perspective of the cross? How do you view the world this world changing event? Have you let it speak into your life? Have you let it change your life? Has your perspective been changed because of the cross? So let us just pray. gracious, loving God, we just give you thanks that we can look at your word found in the Bible. We can do it freely. We can do it openly. We can do it without fear of retribution. But Lord, today, as we come here, we at times find ourselves in a state of unbelief. We sometimes find ourselves questioning, is this true? Did the events of Jesus' death and resurrection really happen. And we find comfort knowing that even those who were close to Jesus, knowing the disciples who were walking along the road to Emmaus, knowing the disciples who were in the upper room, knowing that they had moments of disbelief, that it was so amazing, so life-changing, that they struggled. But Lord, help us in our struggles. Help us in our time to understand and know your great love for us. The amazing grace that's found through your death and resurrection. May we accept this and may our perspectives be changed. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.